and welcome to episode 21, coincidentally my favorite number, of Maps and Graps. As always, I am your host, Lyric Swinton, and it's been a very, very interesting past week in the world of professional wrestling, and I've been super excited about it, and it's just a lot of stuff that I want to get into, so you know what, without the long preamble, I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. So obviously this past week was all out and listen as a person who went to all in i never thought i'd say this but all out was better than all in um it was just a structurally sound wrestling show and also to be quite honest it just felt like aew obviously there was a lot of drama and breaking news last week about certain firings and things but i don't like to get into like the backstage drama on this show but i do believe that Everything that's happens definitely happened for the best because honestly, this is the AEW that I fell in love with, and I'm very excited for the future going forward. So, kicking off with Zero Hour, some of my favorite spots um, kicked off with the over budget battle royal, with the winner um, being able to donate $50,000 to a charity of their choice. Obviously, my favorites that King Hangman Adam Page won the battle royal. And obviously him being a former educator, he donates $50,000 to the Chicago Public Schools Fund um, towards public education. And um, hopefully like this is a sign of like a singles push, putting him back into the forefront in the main event scene. So I'm super excited because I've missed Hangman as a singles wrestler. Obviously he's done tons of great stuff with the elite, um, loved them getting back together, but I'm ready to see him shine on his own again. So that was awesome. And the other biggest part of zero hour for me was obviously there was a trios match that was set up. It was Willow, Sheeta and Sky Blue versus... Um, Athena, Diamante, and Mercedes Martinez. Great match, but the real most important part was this face-off between Sheeta and Athena. The entire crowd got up. Everybody was like, whoa. I at home was jumping out of my seat. I've watched that video over and over and over and over and over again. Rewatched that moment. And yes, we need it. Um, we must have it, and I think it's clear that this match is a priority money match for fans, and so I'm almost positive we're going to get it at some point. Don't know when. I would love for it to be at WrestleDream or even Grand Slam, but we shall see, but I'm super excited. Moving on throughout Zero Hour, we kicked off with Better Than You, Bay Bay versus the Dark Order in a great match. The Bulls shirts were a very nice touch for Chicago. Listen, better than you, Bebe, is hitting. And I didn't expect it to hit, but it's hitting. And I'm very much a fan of what they're doing. Um, and also, <laughs> I just, Adam Cole, when all this Roddy Strong stuff comes apart, I just can't wait. Like, Roger Strong is the I would say he's the best character on AEW television, but right now he's tied with Tony Storm um, and honorable mentions to Juice Robinson and Christian Cage as well. Um, absolutely incredible stuff. Um, obviously, MJF selling the injury, his neck health and <sighs> cinema, as the kids say. 
Moving on, we had Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor. This match was a quick sprint. It was only about, what, six minutes, but it was really good. Shane Taylor continues to impress. He's done a great job. One of the um, greatest Ring of Honor television champions in history, obviously challenging Samoa Joe for the television championship. He came up short in this match, but I think he looked really good, and it was a really great accomplishment for him to be on pay-per-view, um, on AEW pay-per-view, and so... Um, good match, and obviously Samoa Joe looks like a killer. Um, between the Better Than You Bebe match and then the Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor match, obviously Samoa Joe was coming out as um, um, MJF was heading back backstage, and he pushes him in XT style. They start brawling. It was really great. Um, and so I'm excited to see where that um, feud goes because there's a lot of potential there. And I think there's just a lot of talent there. Samoa Joe has been one of the most solid start signings for AEW. Um, he's just an asset everywhere he goes. Um, and so as a lifelong fan of Samoa Joe, I am personally super excited to see um, where this goes. Obviously, he's in the tournament um, for the Grand Slam World Championship match. So we shall see who ends up winning. Next, we had Hobbs versus Miro. Wow. Now, I will say, this was my least anticipated match on the card by far. I'm going to be honest. The stuff that I've been seeing on Collision, I hadn't particularly loved. I felt like both of them were doing too many squashes. I just wasn't entertained. I wasn't really invested. However, this ended up being one of my favorite matches on the card. This was the definition of big meaty men slapping meat. The crowd with the meat chants. Man, this was probably the best big man match that I've seen this year, other than um, Kazusada Haguchi versus um, Yuji Hino um, and DDT earlier this year for the KOD Openweight Championship. Um, that's the only match that I could think of, big man matchup that was possibly better than this. This was so good. Um, the perfect amount of time. You got your feats of strength. You got your feats of athleticism. I feel like both guys really shine. AEW is traditionally, I would say, one of their weaknesses is booking big men. But I feel like this was a huge step in the right direction. And so I'm very pleased, very, very pleased with this match. And I hope that we get to see more stuff like this. Obviously, Meryl won, but I think Hobbs did great here. Um, and I hope that he continues to have matches and showcases like this because he has the ability um cj perry comes out afterwards we don't know what her ring name is going to be after uh, yet but um, obviously she's going to be in the mirror verse so that should be interesting and i'm gonna be honest i missed a lot of their wwe run especially around the bobby lashley stuff so maybe that's a good thing actually maybe that's going to allow me to give them a clean slate i don't know but you know we shall see but i was really pleased with this match it was awesome next we had um darby allen versus luchasaurus Darby Allen, listen, I'm convinced at this point that this man's spine is made out of rubber because the bumps that he just takes, he just flops around like he's made out of jelly and he got his ass kicked in this match. Absolutely demolished. He kept getting back up. He kept getting back up, kept throwing himself. The Luchasaurus always came out on top. And of course, you have everybody's favorite father. Christian Cage antagonizing with the TNT championship on the outside. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, but yes, I was very pleased with this match. Um, it was, you know, the wrecking crew of a monster terrorizing the baby face, but you know, Hey, it, when done correctly, I can get you in matches like that. And I feel like this one was definitely done correctly. 
Um, moving on, there was a women's match on the card. There was Chris Statlander versus Ruby Soho. I felt, and a lot of people on Twitter felt, that this is probably the best pound-for-pound match for the TBS championship in its history. Um, These two were very well matched. Shout out to Chris Statlander. She has been on fire since winning this championship. She's been a fighting champion. Um, Orange Cassidy has said himself that, you know, he wants Chris to be just like him as far as, like, you know, with the number of defenses um, and just being that workhorse. And Chris also wants that for herself. And so... um, she just continues to prove that it was the right call um, for her to be the one to take the title off of Jade. And she's been killing it. Ruby is so solid. Um, I really, really enjoyed this match. And of course, you have the outcast. Um, Soraya came out with Ruby, but Tony Storm comes later. And then she just heard the Lulu Marilyn Monroe ass is just walking around um, in socks. And and a robe, and get taking the spray paint and just spraying it around. She's just absolutely delusional. I love everything she touches. It touches turns to gold. Um, next, we had um, the tag match. And listen, none these guys could have just stood there, and I would have popped for it. Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata versus Willie Yuta and Claudio Castagnoli, Blackpool Combat Club. Any, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know I love all of these people. But Katsuyori Shibata is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. Eddie Kingston introduced me to, you know, Japanese wrestling. So I just have, like, such an admiration and respect for both of these guys. Um, I owe so much of, like, the work that I do now, I think, to both of them and just my passion for wrestling. And... You know, hey, like, obviously it wasn't the best match on the card. It was really kind of, like, set up to be the cool-down match. But if Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata and Claudio Castagnoli and Willer Yuta is your cool-down match, that says something about just the depth of your roster. Um, And so it was good. Um, The finish was a little weird, I will say, um, because um, Eddie gets pinned after just an uppercut. But... Claudio has been having a history of like his simple moves being able to be pins. For example, like when Jericho tapped out of the swing. So, you know, Hey, I'm not upset. I was having a blast. Like by this part of the show, I'm like, if this is the first half, like, God damn, what's going to be in the second half? Cause this is great. Um, but moving on, this was, there were three big singles matches on this card, like super big singles matches on this card. And this was the first of them. There was a strap match between Ricky Starks and Brian Danielson. Now, let me say this. Up until this point, I had gotten a little bit worried about Ricky Starks because I feel like his promos are great, but as for the in-ring, I hadn't seen what I felt like I needed to see for him to be considered a top star. But I, like the in-ring performances hadn't been memorable hadn't been anything I could ever say that, oh, yeah, I really want to rewatch or anything that I was really anticipating. Obviously, this match was originally supposed to be with Punk, but then all that stuff happened. And they make the switch on the night of collision, the night before All Out, that Brian Danielson, who people didn't even know was be healed, is going to be his opponent. And this is obviously a strap match. I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was going to be good because obviously Brian Danielson is involved. But these two delivered, and I do mean these two. Um, this was an instant bloodbath. This was a fight. 
This was emotional. It was chaotic. I absolutely loved every second of it. I think that both um, Brian Danielson looked like the greatest wrestler of all time. And I think that Ricky Starks looked like an absolute star. Later that night in the media scrum, um, Brian Danielson said that Ricky Starks um, carried him through that match. And I think that that's an extreme compliment. Like, I think that that's the highest compliment that you could probably get in professional wrestling um, from Brian it, it, and I think coming from Brian Danielson, like that's just huge. And so I think this was a huge, huge step in the right direction for um, Ricky. And um, it's clear that the company really wants them to succeed. The fact that they would like, you know, speed up, you know, um, Brian's timetable for return um, for the sake of him being around. So around to wrestle Ricky, just because this match was so important to his career. And I think that honestly, like, Hey, feel like god moves in mysterious ways things happen for a reason and i think like you know with another person yes he could have had you know a decent match but with brian danson he had the match this was the match of his career this was a star making match and i feel like you know hey everything happens for a reason and so i think that this is one of those moments where it really worked out in ricky starks's favor um next you already know my favorite Kenny Omega had a match, obviously, versus Kanosuke Takeshita. Um, and I just knew it was going to be an emotional wreck when um, Kenny came out wearing his, um, basically, his DDT-inspired gear from his DDT days. So it's the green and the orange and the yellow Um inspired by his DDT trunks from back in the day. Obviously, this is a call to both his history as well as to Keshita's history. I will say the first couple, the first, I'll say 10 or so minutes of this match really made me super uncomfortable. And I think that it was it was designed to make me uncomfortable, but still, I didn't like it. And the reason why I say this is because obviously the promos leading up to this is like Don Callis knows all of Kenny's weaknesses and he is teaching um to catch the how to exploit them down to like you know going through his x-rays and stuff whatever and i just felt like those first couple like like that first 10 12 minutes was literally them dissecting kenny's body and like the bumps that he was taking i was just get i was cringing so hard like i was just so scared like and i'm almost positive that's exactly what the reaction that they wanted so i think that this is a good thing but like my nerve was tore up, like we're just torn up. And I'm just like, Kenny, are you okay? Like, it's just, uh, you know, the injuries that you used to have. Like, I was literally like getting torn up. Like, um, it was a lot easier to watch, like when I rewatched it. Um, but Kenny just scares me because like the risks that he takes, especially this year, I feel like I've just been so like crazy, like, he makes me so nervous because he's my favorite, but God, you make me so nervous. It's almost like when he did that V trigger through the cage with Mox and like, I just knew that he tore something and then he just walks away. Like he's just fine. And I'm just like, Ari, do you realize that you are destroying my nerves right now? But anyway, a lot of cool spots in this match. Um, and I will say the last three or so minutes of this match were perfect. Like the finish of this match was mwah. one thing I feel like Kenny Omega has the most dramatic finishes to his matches. It's one of the best things that he does. He is one of the 
I believe, the best big match wrestler in the world. And, yeah, that finish was just absolutely excellent. And I think that this is nowhere near the best that they have to go. I think that they definitely have a better match in them. Um, and I'm excited to see it because I think that this feud needs to gain some more heat. And I think that they need to like, you know, build even more tension, maybe add a stipulation next time. Like, because I just know how Kenny works and I know that he's constantly thinking about the bigger and better thing. I think Takeshita looked awesome in this match. He looked like a superstar. He looks like somebody that's ready to be champion like tomorrow. And I loved it. Like, I just love that about him. I just, it's crazy to think that the same guy that we met last summer, you know, just doing his excursion tour from DDT is now like just full-time at AEW and he's on track to, I believe, being a world champion one day. So loved everything about this. I hope, I really hope that this leads to a tag match at Wrestle Dream if they don't run like Omega Takesha too. But I hope this leads to a tag match um golden lovers versus osprey and Takeshita. fingers crossed but that's my current dream um and so next there was oh i missed the well i forgot to put it on the slide but there was a eight man tag um during this card and it was ftr and the young bucks versus um bullet club gold and i just wanted to only thing I want to say about that is that the Young Bucks are the best team in the world and everybody can cry. Um, they knew how to work that Chicago crowd. They were getting booed like John Cena and One Night Stand at the beginning and then they managed to win everybody back at the end and had that crowd's chanting Young Bucks. Put some respect on the Bucks. Period. And also that eight-man tag match was great. Like almost basically every match on this card was great. I actually rewatched this pay-per-view already full through no skips um and i think that it's going to be an, one of those pay-per-views for me that is no skips um very much like forbidden door 2022 like i can watch that over and over again and trust me i have <laughs> um i can watch that over and over again with no skips and so but my favorite match of this card obviously was the main event Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley. Man, like this match, I think it mean, meant so much to me. I think it meant so much to just AEW fans as a whole. And I think it just means so much to like professional wrestling. These are the workhorses. Like this is um, the ace of AEW and John Moxley versus the man who started off as the lazy guy who doesn't care about anything. So turns out to be the person on the roster who cares the most. And obviously he had this emotional promo like a few days before, which Orange Cassidy doesn't do. Um, like this, and I feel like, you know, obviously All Out was coming off of a lot of drama and one of the most important weeks in the for the company, even before the drama, but definitely afterwards. And like All Out was make or break. For the company and it was only fitting that AEW's two most loyal sons um, were in the main event. This was a huge special moment for Orange Cassidy to, you know, really claw his way from comedy act to just main eventer just seamlessly. He did it his way um, versus John Moxley, who was the undisputed ace and also like have an, the AEW International Championship main event 
that pay-per-view, um, which I think is so special that they've built that title that way. I think it's, we're, it's going, it's heading in that trajectory of almost like the um, IWGP Intercontinental Championship, like cur- probably currently the IWGP um, UK Heavyweight Championship, like that type stuff. So I think that that's where we're going. And I think that that's a really good move for AEW because that roster is so big and so stacked. And my last count, I think there's anywhere between six to eight guys who are probably ready right now to be a world champion. Um, and obviously everybody can't do it all at the same time. And, and obviously, the, you know, you want people to have lengthy reigns and you just want people to like, you know, um, have something to strive to. And I think building up that international championship was the perfect way to do that. This match was a bloodbath. I think that Orange Cassidy had the best crimson mask of the year that I've seen. Um, it was perfect. If you like crimson masks, if you like blood in your matches, which I do, um, it was just about as perfect as you, as you can get of a crimson mask. Um, I think that Moxley just... he I love heel Moxley because I feel like he's doubled down on the violence and like Orange Cassidy just completely gets back up. Like his jeans were soaked with blood and he just keeps getting back up. I haven't seen anybody pour out that much blood in a very long time, actually. Like he just kept getting back up and kept getting back up. And, you know, like Mox never really tried not to let him hit his groove, you know, with the mind games. Like he actually didn't do like, you know, the, the suedo kicks until towards the end of the match. Um, But yeah. You can just see the in-ring storytelling that he's been doing over the past few months of his body gradually, gradually, gradually breaking down, you know, as he continues to defend the belt. And he's just, the backpack was getting a little heavier. And like, so you can even see in the match when he goes for the orange punch, keeps going for the orange patch, but it's less effective and his arm is taped up and it's just all this stuff. And so I will say like that finish, (sighs) chef's kiss, like, Mox delivered the nastiest, I mean the nastiest Death Rider I have ever seen in my life. Like, I was like, oh my God, is he dead? It reminded me a lot of the finish of the Osprey Omega match when you see, like, Osprey is like, fuck you, <laughs> spits, and then hit Kenny, obviously hits the Kamigoye, then the one winged angel, and then sends him off. Much very similarly in this match, like, you know, Orange has his last stand by, you know, putting his middle finger up at Mox and then Mox, quote unquote, puts him out of his misery after, you know, beating him down with that ugly, nasty, but beautiful Death Rider. It was very poetic. Um, That means that for that night, the Blackpool Combat Club was undefeated. They won every single match. Um, And they had Brian back, you know, Yuta and Claudio won earlier in the night. So everybody won. Um, and it just proved that they are the most dominant faction in wrestling. And that's just that. Um, and I think also best friends coming out um, afterwards um, and surrounded by Orange. And I mean, even before that, like the crowd gave him a standing ovation and chanted, thank you, Orange. And I think it's very well deserved. And just so grateful for Orange Cassidy and the run that he's had. Like, I think it's been a pretty up and down year for AEW, but he's been one constant, one consistent thing throughout this. And um, 
I want to see him in the world title picture. When I talk about six to eight guys ready to take the world title, he's one of them. And he's honestly towards the top of the list. And so I'm excited to see what's next for Orange Cassidy. And I think that AEW is a better place with him in it. And also, like, obviously, Mox was not my first choice to get the international championship off of um, Orange Cassidy. But I definitely do understand why they put it on him. And, like, I do agree with it now on the back end just because to elevate that championship to a point where, it can main event pay-per-views. It can be essentially like a top guy title for main eventers. You have to like pass it on to a main eventer and also passing it on to Mox really allows the championship to function in its original purpose, which is to be defended around the world, around all, you know, a variety of opponents. Um, it can go anywhere. And obviously Mox works indies. Mox does the new Japan shows this would be a perfect way for him to continue to just do John Moxley stuff. Like this is, I, you know, this, this belt really is perfect for Mox. And I think it's perfect for AEW to have it on him just because like, you know, he's always going to spread the good news of AEW and he's always going to spread the good news of professional wrestling um, wherever he goes. So might as well, you know, let him add some more prestige to that title and, you know, It'll make sure that, you know, as years go on, this can be a title that top guys seek, even if they aren't in the world title picture, which I think is better for just about everybody to always have something to aspire to. Um, and it's clear that, you know, the international championship is easily several cuts above that TNT belt right now, even though shout out to my real TNT champion, Christian Cage. So moving on. In professional wrestling, I got exactly what I wanted from Pro Wrestling Noah. Thank you, Pro Wrestling Noah. I am not used to getting exactly what I want in wrestling. It's a fairly new concept to me. But thank you, Pro Wrestling Noah. I got my Kano versus Go Shiozaki final. And I got Go Shiozaki winning his first ever N1 victory tournament. He deserves. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, I just enjoy him. I enjoy his story. Um, I enjoy his passion for pro wrestling. I just think that he's awesome. I also think he has the best chops in the game, period. And it's just really cool to see him, you know, getting one of these last, you know, accomplishments that he hasn't done in his career. Um, he's really coming to his own. And he is Noah. Mr. I am Noah is Noah. And um, he pulled out all the stops for this match. Um, I've actually gone back and I've watched it twice, um, including he pulled out... Um, Masawa's Emerald Flosion in this match. So that was cool. Um, and obviously Jake Lee comes out afterwards, you know, the champion that I've been a little lukewarm on, but I will say his past singles match, few singles match have been good. So I'll give him credit for that. Um, Jake Lee comes out and obviously he's like, oh yeah, you're next, whatever. And so they're going to have their match soon um, towards the end of September, which is going to be very exciting stuff. I will be seated. Very proud of Pro Wrestling Noah this year. I think that the N1 tournament went very underrated and it has some really great wrestling in it. Um, I would say that my standouts personally from the N1 victory tournament were obviously Go Shiozaki, Kasuhiko Nakajima, um, Yuma Anzai, uh, Manabu Soya, Masakita Mia had some great matches too. Jack Morris also had some great matches. Um, I think Jake Lee had some, you know, some fairly good matches. Kano, he started off slow, but I feel like he picked it up towards the end of the tournament. Um, I'm trying to think. 
Is that it? It might be it. Um, uh, as far as the people who like really stood out, but um, I do want to give a special shout out to Manabu Soya. I think that he did as well as you could do in this tournament without winning. For somebody who was a tag team wrestler all of like three months ago, he really, I think, showcased himself as a single star. Obviously, he was in Congo. He was teaming with Kino. He had the red hair, but he really came into his own. He kicked off this tournament, winning that N1 Rumble, and he kicked off, you know, beating Nakajima in that fire match on night one. Um, and he just continued with the great performances. And so shout out to Manabu Soya. During this tournament, he did pin El Hio de Dr. Wagner Jr., who also had a pretty good showing um, in the N1 Victory Tournament. He did pin him. So I would hope that after El Hio de Wa Dr. Wagner Jr. has his, you know, upcoming match with um, Psycho Clown, who made a surprise appearance, um, and that'll be on the same night, obviously, as the um, GHC Heavyweight Championship match with um, Go and Jake. I do hope that um, Minabu Soya gets to challenge for that GHC National Championship because I do think that El Hio de Dr. Wagner Jr. has carried that belt extremely well, has been a great fighting champion. Um, and if anybody is going to take it off of him, I think that Manabu Soya is the perfect person. I think that he's ready. And so wanted to give a shout out to him. I am interested to see how, you know, Axis really had a good, you know, I'm interested to see how Axis, you know, reacts after all this, just because like they had a really good summer. Both, uh, both um, Shiyazaki and Nakajima both made weekly pro wrestling covers this year, uh, this summer since reforming and so they both had like you know these really big moments and so i'm excited to see like you know what's next for them it seems like they you know they're tight as ever like they're thick as thieves which is lovely for me and yeah it's exciting i you know my personal my personal wants my personal dreams um i would love to see them a world tag league this year um obviously that's going to come up soon and we're about to know like who's going to be in it but that's my goal. I would love to see Axis in World Tag League this year. So we shall see. Fingers crossed. But once again, congratulations to Go Shiyazaki for being the 2023 N1 Victory Tournament winner. Um, all Japan has a huge show happening. Um, by the time you all hear this podcast, it will have just occurred. But obviously, I am super excited for this um, Kento Miyahara versus Yuma Anzai match. Um, these two are incredible to me. You have the current ace versus the future ace. Yuma Anzai, as I just said earlier, killed it in the Noah um, in one victory tournament. And I just love his presence. I think he has so much presence for someone so young. And, you know, he doesn't even wear, like, the fancy jackets or anything. Like, he just comes out in, like, a T-shirt and trunks. And he just, he just walks around like he owns the place. Like, he just has it. And I think, like, you know, so many, especially, like, you look in, like, the feeder systems, like the young lions over in new Japan or stuff like you can see, like some guys are still trying to boost themselves up to be confident, like, you know, boost themselves up to feel like they're that guy. And you could just tell like human just knows he's him period. <laughs> and kids been him. And so I said this on Twitter um, and I don't have a pretty strong feeling about it, but either way, but I wonder if it's interesting, if it's more beneficial to be like have like the new Japan setup where you have like a 
anywhere between, I would say, four to seven guys who are ready to be the stars of the company or who have potential to be the stars of the company. Some of them might grow into it. Some of them might not. Um, and those are like the graduated li young lions. So you have, you know, Shota, you have um, Ren, you have Yoda Suji, you have um, Gabe Kidd, you have, you know, Clark Connors, Kevin Knight, like you have all those people who came through this, you know, like, and some of them might rise, some of them are going to rise to the top. Some of the, you know, graduated young lions might fail, some might leave, some might, you know, go to other promotions, whatever. So you have a system like that. Um, or you'll be like a Noah or a all Japan who like, even though obviously multiple guys come through the system, it's very clear that they put their eggs all in one basket. Like there's just like that one guy that they're like, mm -hmm, like he's him. And like that guy actually is him, but it's also feels like, oh my gosh, everything's riding on one guy. And so obviously you'll have your Kentos, you'll have your Yuma Enzai's over in Noah, you'll have like your Kaito Kiyomiya's. And so I wonder which one is actually better. I wonder if it may, maybe it doesn't matter, but I think like it's very interesting um, dynamic that we're seeing because I just think that it's clear from a confidence and a presence level, you know, like even if you looked at the G1, Kaito Kiyomiya was head and shoulders above some of his peers, you know, around similar ages, just as far as like of sheer presence, like, you know, not talking about wrestling ability because everybody has basic wrestling ability. Um, and honestly, I'm not even gonna say basic, probably above average wrestling ability. Um, but that presence of when you walk into the room and you seem like a big deal, I think it very much showed him, he was a bit above some of the other, some, not all. And definitely in the end one, like I feel like Yuma Anza just, he just came off as him, like, you know, the young him, but still him. So that's going to be very interesting. I am excited. And then you have a great women's match that's going to occur. You have Sariano and um, Kairi versus Sari and um, Yanagi Sayaka. Um, this is probably going to be Kairi's last match before she goes on her indefinite hiatus, a.k.a. probably going back to WWE, which I'm kind of sad about. But, that, you know, that's neither here nor there. Either way. If you're looking to build a match of some of the best freelance women's wrestlers on the planet, this is it. And this is a great um, setup. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Obviously, there's more matches on this card. Um, but I'm excited to see what All Japan is cooking. I'm excited to see what everybody's cooking. Um, I feel like, you know, professional wrestling got a new wind. Um, and it's a wonderful time. It's a beautiful time to really invest in professional wrestling and love professional wrestling and travel and see professional wrestling all over the world. And so I'm excited. I hope that as you listen to this podcast, you are excited too. I will be taking about two to three weeks break um, over the next couple of weeks. Um, if you don't know, I just recently restarted school. So I would like to, you know, set up my schedule trying to make sure I don't fail, get a lot. And I also have a lot of articles that need to be written for various outlets, some very cool stuff, actually. And I'm so excited um, for it to finally be in everybody's hands. Um, Obviously, I just had the article with Monthly Puro that just um, 
um, it became available for um, for pre-order in the most recent issue. It's about Black wrestlers in New Japan. I am so excited for people to get their hands on it. I finally saw the digital version, and it really made me tear up. And so that you can pre-order pre it over on their website. Um, I have some articles about... Okay, I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you. But I promise you that you're going to like them. And um, it's going to be about, you know, some of the topics that I talk about on this show. But I just wanted to say thank you so much, everybody who supports this show, who supports uh, my crazy Twitter takes, and who just supports all of, like, you know, me as I can um, continue to explore this crazy world, crazy, beautiful world of pro wrestling. It means the world to me. Um, if you want to keep up with me, as always, you can find me at Lyric Wrestling on Instagram as well as Twitter. And you can subscribe to my YouTube channel at Lyric Swinton, just my first and last name. Um, but I think that that's all. So until next time, everyone. Um, and next time will probably be in a couple weeks, but not too long. You'll hear from me before the end of September. I will talk to you all later. Bye. Thank you.